When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. It's Tuesday, 3rd of December. I'm Andy Brassel. She's Jules Breach. And this is Jules and Andy on Football Ramble Daily. Coming up this week, we're going to be discussing the first week of Jose Mourinho at Tottenham, having both been to one of his home games. We'll also be looking at the big relegation clash between Southampton and Watford and what are the leftovers after that incredible afternoon on the South Coast. And we'll be taking on your correspondence, as always. How was your weekend, Jules? Only lost 2-1 at Liverpool, it's all right, isn't it? Exactly, and... Dunkey, quick thinking with that free kick. Was he was, pleased he about was that. all over it. He was busy, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. He was. Yeah. I, I, do you know what? I actually thought we played really well. And I think that Matt Ryan had a really good day in goal as well. I mean, to keep out Liverpool's front three, we've got to be happy with that. Yeah. I know yeah. we still conceded two goals to Virgil van Dijk, which infuriated me so much because... What, conceding goals from set pieces against Liverpool when there's a million other ways that they can score against you? There's that, but there's also the fact that I've played van Dijk in my fantasy team every single game week this oh, season. No. And then this game week, I decided to put him on my bench because I thought, you're not going to keep a clean sheet. Brighton are going to score. I was right. But I didn't expect Virgil van Dijk to score two goals. So uh, lovely. 17 points, sat on my fantasy bench, fuming. Um, but yeah, obviously, it, you know, you don't want to lose any games, but I don't think we disgraced ourselves. And, and, and we haven't in all the matches where we've played against Liverpool since we've been in the Premier League. So there were definitely some positives to take away from that game. And um, yeah, like I said, I think Matt Ryan had a really good game in goal despite conceding two, two goals. Yeah, Wimbledon didn't lose at the weekend. Um, they didn't play because they've already been knocked out of the World Cup. Uh, World Cup. They're, <laughs> They're not in the World Cup, Andy. Knocked out of the FA Cup. <laughs> you never know. It's good to have a dream. It, it is good it, to have a dream. Yeah. Do you know what? Though? I'm so happy it's December because it's finally officially okay to put up your Christmas tree. And I did mine yesterday. Oh, I went and bought fantastic. my tree. I, I'm all about the real Christmas tree. Are you real or Oh, yeah. Nor- Norwegian pine all the way. Got to get a real tree. So. Little nod to Lars Sivertsen there. <laughs> sometimes so far on the continent. There's a lovely little place, a lovely little green near me where they, uh, obviously the trees are already chopped down, ready for you to take away. So you just yeah. go and you pick your height and they put it in the little um, the little machine and it wraps it all up. It's just really exciting. I love it. I, I also got a little miniature baby tree right. to put on the dining table because why not? I now need so, to... so you've got a tree that you're taller than? <laughs> I actually do. Yeah. And it, now I need to figure out where sells baubles that are small enough to go on this miniature tree. It, it's tiny. Oh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what. Where? While I'm away, I'm going to uh, Leon and Dortmund before Christmas. <gasps> they will have novelty baubles yes. in the club shop. Yes, get me one. I'm going to make it happen. Love it. I'm going to make it happen. My, my eldest son has got a Borussia Dortmund Christmas stocking. 
Wow, is, I love is, that. It's absolutely fantastic. Oh. It's really, it's really cool. I miss having a stocking. Yeah. When, when 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 does it get to the point where you're not allowed a stocking anymore for Christmas? I, I don't. Old? I don't think it does because um, my in-laws they have these like giant stockings. So I, that's when I knew they'd really welcome me into the family. They've they've <laughs> got one for my wife and one for me. Absolutely enormous stockings that they fill with all our Christmas presents. That's lovely. It I think nice, I stopped it? getting a stocking when I didn't have a fireplace anymore. Because where'd you put the stocking? <laughs> There's nowhere to put it. If you haven't got a fireplace, where does the stocking go? Does no, it rest on the floor? That, that is a good question. It's, it's quite sort of, uh, of, a, of a certain era. I'll tell you what, the best advent calendar I've seen so far, my youngest godson, Liam, has got a match attacks one. Oh, he was. Nice. I, I saw him on Saturday. He was so psyched about it being 1st of December on, on Sunday. I love that. I've yeah, I've opened two I've opened two doors of mine. I've not opened today's yet, so I'm saving that for when I get home. You need to be working on some branding. You need to be working on a fantasy Premier League I know, advent right? calendar, I've don't just, you? Just got a normal chocolate one, but it is good. Counting down the days to Christmas, but there is so much football going on. There's obviously midweek fixtures as well. So the turnaround, it, I mean there's gonna be injuries, there's gonna be all sorts of points dropped and gained over this period. So I'm excited for this Christmas fixture shenanigan to if, take place. If which you, all starts tonight. If you had an yeah, yeah, it does. It's going to be exciting to see how it pans out this week. Um, obviously, a very different experience of watching it for a lot of people as it's um, all on Amazon. Um, I wish you luck and I hope you all have your multi-screens prepared, mm-hmm. uh, a telly, tablet, um, computer and phone. Yeah, watch as many games as you possibly can. You, you, need, you need that, don't you? <laughs> I mean, the thing is, when, when you imagine watching a multi-screen in your fantasy world, you don't imagine all the screens being different sizes. But, you know, make do and mend. Yeah, exactly. The, the, the fact that it's available to the common man is pretty good, I, 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 I think. As I know, much I know football as we can possibly take in. You, you, you're very much in favour of that, aren't you? I am, yeah. I, I did it last weekend with the women's games that were on streamed on the FA Player. I had three games on at the same time. But we have been going to actual games as well and we want to start talking about uh, Jose Mourinho um, because of course he's had a great start at at Tottenham three wins out of three so far and for his two home games so far we've been to them separately so you went to the Olympiacos game in the Champions League I went to the Bournemouth one I took my eldest godson there for his first game at um, the The new new Tottenham Stadium. Nice. Did he like it? I loved it. Yeah, absolutely loved it. He was so super excited about it. The two late goals by Harry Wilson didn't even take the gloss off it for him. He he wasn't one of the many people who left the stadium thinking that one of the many Spurs fans who left the stadium thinking we should have won that 4-0. That stadium... He was fine about it. It's so impressive, though, and I can just imagine as a kid going to a stadium like that for the first time. Yeah. It just must have been such a wow moment. Yeah. Yeah, it really was. It really was. He kept the swears to a minimum out of uh, respect for me, (laughs) which I I felt quite honoured by as well. Um, But talking of them conceding those goals, and, you know, they did the same against Olympiacos, though, the other way round. They conceded those late goals against... Uh, West Ham as well in a, in a game that was just down the road from you. Of course, you were doing BT Sport that day. So uh, Jose Mourinho can't get it done if you're not in the neighbourhood, basically, <laughs> Jules. That's the, the long and the short of it. Um, it's a very un-Mourinho start to his spell at Tottenham or certainly a long way from what we consider the 
the archetype of Mourinho. Yeah, I think everyone was expecting that the first thing Jose Mourinho would work on is the defence at Tottenham and stop yeah. them conceding goals. Yet what we've seen so far from the three matches he's been in charge is Tottenham are still all over the place at the back and they're still conceding goals. What's been so impressive about this Mourinho's new Spurs side is how many goals they're scoring. It's been mm. really entertaining to watch. And I know people are, you know, he's been named the special one, the humble one, and now it's the entertaining one because the Spurs fans are getting value for money in terms of goals that they're seeing their team score. And as football fans, that's what we want to see, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I, I, you know what? It really reminded me, the game against Bournemouth on Saturday, of going to football as a kid. And I don't think it was just because I was with my godson in, mm. enjoying those same sort of experiences. He's the same age as when I first started going to the football when I was at 10, I think. Uh, but Tottenham are really direct. Yeah. It, it reminded me a, a little bit of <laughs> going to watch Wimbledon. It's like, why, why do you, in, in the 80s, like, oh, okay, the players, the players are different. The players are of a, a higher quality. The stadium's like 10 times bigger. But you know what? The way that they switched it from back to front so quickly, it makes for a lot of chances and it is pretty exciting. It's almost like at the moment, Toby Alderweireld is their premier playmaker. And if you've got Alderweireld, why you need Ericsson in the middle? It's so true. I mean, he was involved in the two goals quite heavily, wasn't Mm. he? Two of the goals. And um, that ball over the top to Deli Alley for, for one of the goals was just brilliant. And that direct football is something that the, the Tottenham fans are loving to see because it's just meaning that players like Deli Ali can be brought into the game more where in past matches this season, he's looked a little bit lost and we've all been mm. a bit confused about why Deli Ali's not been performing to the levels that we know he can reach. And he could have had a hat-trick in the game, couldn't he? Yeah, he, re- he really could have. And, um, you know, the, the one he missed, the curler, when it was at 2-0... I would have bet my house on him scoring that. Yeah, same. Um, it was, yeah. Uh, but uh, we've, we've had a great question here from uh, Simon Applebaum and you've sent loads of questions in. Thank you so much. How much does Mourinho need Tottenham to work out to frame the United stint as institutional Malaysia United rather than the beginning of his powers waning? I mean, well, Mourinho will be desperate to make this role of his as the manager at Tottenham work out this time because... With what happened at Manchester United, I think everyone started to feel like Jose Mourinho's best days were over Mm. because it wasn't the best tenure at Manchester United, despite the fact that he delivered trophies while he was there. We just saw this different side to Mourinho, didn't we? And, And I think that now he's shown a lot more of a happier side to him. Son mm. Heung-min said after the match at the weekend that Mourinho has brought lots of positivity to this team. And that's something that you don't necessarily associate with Jose Mourinho. It was all very sterile at United a lot of the time, wasn't it? I mean, whatever the faults you can pick in Tottenham's first three games under him, th- that is not one of them. You know, it, it, it's, it's strange to see it being so chaotic. Now, we talked, didn't we, before about the fact that Israel Sacramento is his new assistant coach, very tactically minded. Maybe he'd, he'd change things. I, I don't think we imagined this, did we? No, did we? I don't. I didn't. No, I, I genuinely was expecting that the biggest change we'd see and the quickest change we would see would be to Tottenham's defence to tighten up. Yeah, to tighten up at the back. Yeah. Whereas what we're seeing, as you've already mentioned, is this real direct football, scoring plenty of goals, making the fans enjoy watching their team play again, and 
the players have all said since Mourinho's come in, he's brought such a positivity and, and it's really lifted the mood at the club. And you need that in order to get the players all playing together as a team again. It's so mm. important. And we're seeing the, the, the fruits of that with, with the amount of goals they're scoring. And Musa Sissoko scoring one of them. Yeah. And it's, it's funny, he was considered one of the ones that Mourinho would want to squeeze out, wasn't he? Um, I think it's really interesting to see his performance, not just his goal against Bournemouth, which was absolutely fantastic. That was, that was, that was the best moment of the game, but what he did during the game, he's so energetic. He gets so involved. It was like him saying, well, okay, I'm going to convince you that you have to keep me, which I'm sure he isn't thinking of it quite in that way. Sissoko, but he certainly went out as if he had something to prove and he's like, well, I'm, I'm very important to Tottenham and I'm going to show you mm. why I'm, I'm very important to Tottenham. But I actually think that that's one of the things that does happen. You know, you say that you don't think he was thinking of it quite as literally as that. I reckon all the players are thinking like that because right, okay. they know what type of manager Jose Mourinho is. Mm. They know that he'll probably want to bring in some of his own players, maybe mm. not as soon as January, but certainly in the summer, if all works out well. Well, if he can generate and money, maybe it will be. It could January. be in January, couldn't yeah. it? And and the players will know that. And the players will know that Mourinho has his style of player. We all knew that Eric Dyer would come straight back into the team mm. um, as soon as Mourinho took the job, because he's that sort of midfielder that Jose Mourinho likes in to have in midfield and so the other players will know what type of players Jose Mourinho likes and they're all going to want to be keeping their place in this team because they play for Tottenham they love that club they want to stay at the club and they want to they want to turn things around and already what we've seen in the three games since Jose Mourinho has taken over well they've Tottenham have got back-to-back wins in the Premier League for the first time this season mm. first got, away win since January first away win in the league as well they since Jan they've qualified for the knockout stages of the Champions League. And I know that, you know, it was only the one game, but to have that under your belt in the first three games there, as well mm. as all the goals that they're scoring, this change and this revolution of Deli Alley that the fans are seeing right before their eyes, these are all real positives. And Serge Aurier, he looks the part. He does, doesn't I, he? I think that's a big deal, isn't it? If, if you're Daniel Levy, to get the most out of the existing players as well. It does feel that, you know, whether it's, coaching or simply them in the short term thinking if I've got a future here I've got to grasp this opportunity whichever way around it is it's certainly working for now isn't it I mean you know when you work on a Champions League night Jules you get there nice and early mm. you talk to people before you get pitch side I mean do a lot of talking <laughs> as you can imagine well, it'd be pretty useless if you didn't chewing, it, chewing it, everyone's ear off a, in the press room and eating quiet, very sorry. good food excellent it's good food well, that, that, that's, that's good to know <laughs> you've got to keep the cold out of this time of year but what what was the impression you got from both journalists and, and fans around Tottenham because you know there's no doubt that there was no cut and dried unanimous Pochettino should have gone we're delighted to have Mourinho is very mixed and very conflicting feelings sometimes about, about Pochettino going. What was the sort of feedback that you got both before and after that Olympiacos game? If I'm honest, before the game, there was still quite an uncertain feeling amongst mm. the press, amongst the fans, walking out to the pitch and, and you know, we walk along right in front of the crowd. And to be honest, the way that the, the Tottenham ground is set up, it's because um, it's because it's such a good stadium and mm. the facilities are so amazing, the majority of fans do actually stay in the bars 
right up until kickoff. So not that many fans are actually out at their seats, but yeah. there's a few dotted around. And I chatted to a couple of fans that were right at the front row and said, you know, are you happy about Mourinho? And they sort of shrugged shrugged their shoulders mm. a bit. And I think people are still a bit unsure at that stage because despite getting the win against West Ham in his first um, league game, there was the conceding of the two goals, which is then disappointing despite yes. getting the win. And then obviously the way the Olympiacos game unfolded, going 2-0 down, the crowd were very restless. Mm. It wasn't a particularly nice atmosphere in the stadium. It was actually quite subdued and a bit Again, I guess the best word I can use to describe it is this kind of unsure feeling. There was definitely a, a lot of people I was speaking to loved Maurizio Pochettino. Sad yeah. to see him go. There was still an Argentinian flag in the stadium with Maurizio Pochettino on it. Yeah, you could see it on some of the stills behind Mourinho yeah. in, in that shot that was taken right mm-hmm. down the touchline, couldn't you? Exactly. Yeah. And there was this feeling of a lot of fans felt that it was the wrong decision to, mm. to sack him. However, they turned the game around. And I and that substitution, that first half substitution to Eric Dyer, which must have it's obviously horrible for Eric Dyer to take because no one wants to be substituted mm. in the first half. It was a tactical decision though. So that's one thing that Eric Dyer can actually look back on. And he's probably over it by now because he started the next game. Exactly. It's a horse for a course because yeah. he did just start the, start next, the game. next game. Yeah. However, that must have been quite difficult for Mourinho to do as well because he knows that everyone's going to be watching him. Everyone's mm. going to be criticising and analysing every single little decision he makes. And a first-half substitution isn't something you see often in no. football. especially well, Non-injury well, substitution. Yeah, exactly, yeah. a tactical yeah. one. So he knew that was going to be scrutinised and he still did it knowing that it could win him the game. And it worked. It was the, it was the right decision to take Eric Dyer off and change things around and then that comeback was just amazing. It was mm. it was great to be there for it because you did see this then incredible switch of uncertainty from the crowd to this full backing and everyone was behind him. I was chatting to a couple of the, um, they're not stewards, they're sort of security guards that stand at the doors and let yeah. you out from to go out onto the pitch. I was chatting to them, lovely, lovely guys. And they were just saying, yeah, you know, he's a winner. Yeah, we'll take him. At the end of the match, they were like, that was brilliant, wasn't it? Yeah. So there was this, this change and this and I think it's going to continue happening if he keeps on getting wins for the team then he'll soon win all the fans over and everyone at the club and I think so far from what we've seen we've seen entertainment from him we've seen a happier side of Mourinho and that's what we want to see but there's a willingness to connect isn't there and you know I know people are very cynical about you know the hug with the ball boy and in, in being on the touchline for the for the Bournemouth game and all that it sort did, of stuff like, people are saying it looked like it was for the cameras didn't they yeah but uh, I liked of course, it. I liked he, it. he's aware of that yeah. but you know every Premier League player and coach is aware that they're being filmed they're not, they're, they're not stupid so to play up to that a little bit I, I don't think is abnormal at all and yeah just to have that willingness to to connect to make a connection with the crowd especially when the crowd of you know you had to suffer like quite a lot of dull football in that incredible new stadium and I went to the game against Watford what about a month and a half ago two months ago now and um yeah, it was it was it was, it was dull. There was, there was nothing happening. The team felt very listless. That was it's, the one with the VAR shambles, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. Um, I don't know how you can narrow it down like that. Oh, Sheffield United too. <laughs> oh <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but a few. I, I, I think you know you, you you do need that you know, just to bring that sense of enthusiasm back. If you think of Tottenham's best moments in that stadium, and they're so important when you have a new stadium, you know that the moments 
that you can refer to like, oh, we've had this moment in our new place. We've had that moment in our new place. The moments that, you know, unite the fans and, you know, make you think, yeah, this is, this is us making our home. The difference between making changing it from a nice stadium to home is those moments like the penalty save from Sergio Aguero in, 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 in the Champions League. Um, like... Yeah, Musa Soko's goal even against Bournemouth at the weekend, like the comeback against Olympiacos, all of those things. It's interesting what you say as well about the, the the stewards and their reaction to it because a lot of stadiums, the stewards can be quite indifferent. I'm not sure they've really got an option there because obviously their job is to look after the crowd rather than watch the game. But there you've not really got an option. They definitely be- watch the game. Well, because it's, <laughs> because it's so tight. Yeah. I don't know if you've got an option because the way the, the stands are, are made, they're relatively steep. There's a lot of people in there, but it's incredibly tight to the pitch and intimate. And that's why it's been such an instant hit as a stadium. But let's go back to Pochettino a second. We've got another um, tweet here from Drunken Trooper. It says... Um, with, <laughs> Great screen name. Very nice. Uh, with uh, Pochettino and Allegri both out of work, is now the perfect time for Man United to change manager. Things don't seem to be getting any better and it would give the new guy a time to get to know the squad before the transfer window. Now, of course, we've got United and Spurs this week. The Jose Mourinho derby. Absolutely. (laughs) But the the question is, with that for United, with playing a a, a rejuvenated Tottenham, then City at the the weekend. God, what a week for United. Does Solskjaer, what does Solskjaer have to do to survive the week? And if they get beaten twice, can he survive the week? Well, they seem to be they seem to be backing him, don't they? And, mm. and Manchester United. But we've seen with Emery how quickly it can turn, mm. haven't we? Because I don't think all the problems at Arsenal were exclusively Emery's fault. Okay, I think you can argue that he's not the best guy for the the, the job or whatever. But I think we saw. I don't know if it's so much the result as the manner, like the way that things went. Say when Arsenal played Southampton, that was when it. I think it went from if to when. With 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 Emery, because you know the feeling. You, you know, you heard um, Jim describe it on 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 the, on the ramble like last week. Just you know, it's just really bizarre non celebration of a goal that wins yeah. you a point. Yeah. And I, I was there when they played um, Eintracht Frankfurt, of course, the last game before he got fired on Thursday night. And it was I, I was I was there to do TV interviews afterwards in a little sort of series of mini studios that they call the the flash area just next to the tunnel. And um, I just saw Emery being led by an Arsenal press officer from, you know, TV studio to TV studio. And it was... Did you speak to him? No, I, 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 I didn't. Um, but I, I spoke to uh, Emmy Martinez and who obviously was one of the players who came out afterwards and... A um, lovely message, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. just, just apologised and said it was our fault. We're mm. sorry. And um, also to Gonzalo Paciencia of um, Eintracht Frankfurt, who's a little bit more generous uh, uh, about it, despite the fact his team had won. But just seeing Emery going from, you know, the, the, the couple of TV interviews he, he, he had to do, and it was all very staccato and quick and heads were bowed and everyone knew which way it was going. It was so sad. It was so sad. Now I, I realise realize Arsenal fans won't be sorry to see the back of him, but he's essentially a nice guy who, you know, it's, like I said, it's not entirely his fault. Everything that was upstairs changed in the meantime. Of course, he wasn't up to the job, certainly over this season. Um, but yeah, it was something that sort of sticks with you. And 
I don't think anyone at United wants to put Ole Gunnar Solskjaer through that. I mean, it's, it's clear that, you know, there's no connection with, say, Emery and United beforehand, uh, Emery and uh, Arsenal beforehand. But I think, you know, a lot of people on a human level, like, like me or Arsenal fans, some of them will, will think, oh, it's not a great situation, is it? But the situation with Solskjaer, because he has this incredible status in the club's history because of 99 and all, all, all the rest of it. How do you find a reasonable way to break up with him, basically? <laughs> There's no nice way to break up ever, is there? That's, no. And that's the trouble is that at some stage it's going to happen and it's not mm. going to be nice, however it's done. But I, I do agree with you. You feel that because of the history that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has with Manchester United, that inevitably when one day that does happen... It probably will be done in a nice way if there is any possible nice way to do it. But going back to the question that was asked on Twitter, I still stand by my thoughts ever since Maurizio Pochettino was sacked by Tottenham that I don't think his next job will be in the Premier League. I just can't see that happening for some reason. I just feel like the connection he had with Tottenham was so genuine that... I agree. I, I do feel yeah. that his next job, I don't I just don't see him and his team going to another Premier League club as his next job. I feel that he, It's just too soon. Yeah, it is too soon. I feel that he will want to manage abroad or at least take a bit of time out before mm. that happens. I I still think he'll go to a, a a team in another country before he manages again in the Premier League. No, I'm I'm very happy with the results. I'm very happy with long periods during the matches with fantastic uh, football and uh, also great individual performances. Of course, I don't like my teams to, to concede as many goals as we, as we did, but uh, no problem. We are here to help the team to, to improve. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If I had an extra hour in the day, I might catch up on the latest football news, take a lovely walk with my dog Sammy, or maybe interview someone using an orange peel and a broken iPhone. You know, normal journalism stuff. But it's not always easy to prioritise our time, and that's where therapy can be an extra helping hand. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Untangle any unneeded worries and start to value your time for you. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Ramble today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Ramble. Southampton finally remember what it's like to win at home 
their first Premier League home win of the season and it's against the side one place below them at the bottom of the table in Watford and they had to come from behind to do it. You're listening to Jules and Andy on Football Ramble Daily. Remember, you can get in touch with both of us at Jules Breach at Andy Brassel on Twitter. You can also tweet us using at Football Ramble or if you want to send us anything longer, a nice long old email telling us any of your stories or asking any questions, then you can do that. Jules and Andy at footballrambledaily.com. Well, on Saturday afternoon, Southampton took on Watford and what a comeback this was for Southampton and what a win. My God, they needed it, didn't they? This was a game that was a must win for both teams. And obviously, one of them was going to have to come out on top and it was Southampton. And you've got to say, in the end, they deserved it. Yeah, and, you know, in the first half, it looked Watford all the way, didn't it? Yeah, it uh, did. not Not just because of the goal, but because of the flow of the game. And um, what I think is interesting is um, a, a piece about it in um, yesterday's Times by Molly Hudson. And uh, she says, um, where is it? Uh, the, the, the task for the new manager will not be easy. Um, spoiler alert there. Um, <laughs> but uh, for long spells on Saturday, it looked as if it would be Southampton on the search for a new manager after a poor first half, equally lacking in confidence. That was the amazing thing I thought about this game. The fact that it seemed like an eliminator. It did. You know, not, for, not for relegation, but for the, the, the managers carrying on. And obviously, Kiko Sanchez-Flores paid with his job, as you would have known was going to happen if you'd have uh, listened to Jules and Andy last week. Yeah, both, both managers were under serious pressure. And I remember on last week's um, show, Andy, I said... I can't believe we're talking about Kike Sanchez Flores being one of the managers under a lot of pressure because he's mm. only been in the in the job for what what it was it eleven games or something like that. So but this is Watford. It is Watford, and that's exactly what you said to me last week. And there he, now he's gone. Yeah, actually, as a, a little sidebar in um, Molly's piece in the Times, you've got uh, a list of the Watford managers in the Pozzo era. So since since twenty twelve, uh, do you care to guess or do you know how many? Managers Watford have had since they took over, starting with Gianfranco Zola. Gosh, I'm going to guess because I haven't actually seen. Is it eight? Ten. Wow. It, well, if, that, that depends. If you're including both Kike Sanchez's yeah, Flores spells, both, yeah. then, then it's ten. Nine managers, ten appointments. Wowzers. That, I mean, I mean, that's all, something, isn't it? They're looking for their third manager. At the time we record this, Watford haven't appointed a new manager. Would you recommend Chris Hutton? Oh, don't do this to me. I don't want to see Chris Hutton manage any other club. Um, I would. You'll stay up anyway for what it's Yeah, worth. yeah. The thing is, is this is a... I don't want to see Chris Hutton get relegated with a team because I think... And you think he will if he joins Watford? Well, I don't, I don't know whether Watford can save their season now. They're right at the bottom on eight points. It, I know it's a long season. There's plenty of games to go, plenty of points to pick up. And quite a but, few bad teams down there as well. But I do worry for the the way Watford are playing at the moment. They're struggling to keep clean sheets and they're struggling to score goals. Mm. The one thing that we know Chris Hutton can do is he can sort out your defence and he can tighten things up and he can make you defend properly and hopefully that would mean Watford keeping more clean sheets. 
But if you're not scoring goals, you're not going to win games. So my fear is that if Chris Hewton did go to Watford, I just, I just don't want to see him go down with a side. You don't want to see him hurt. No, I don't. That's nice. I, still, I just love him and I just love what he did for, for Brighton. And I would just I, I just wouldn't like to see that happen. Obviously, it would be amazing if he managed to turn things around there. But at the moment, I just it, it's hard for me to sort of look at this Watford team and take too many positives from the performances that we've seen in the last few matches. And I know that they will, of course, they're going to start scoring goals and they will keep clean sheets this season at some stage. But whether that's enough to keep them up, I'm not really sure. It's looking pretty bad for them. What would happen if Hewton took the job and kept them up? Would he get the freedom of Berkhamstead or something like that? <laughs> you know what? I, th- I think he'd be a really good appointment for, for them. Um, I think some, some of the other names thrown about I think are a, a, a little bit fanciful I just think with Hewton especially with the team at the wrong end of the table you know what you're going to get and I agree with you I think they're going to start scoring goals sooner rather than later the problem for them and I think you have to allege your opinion of the work of Javi Gracia and of um, Kike Sanchez Flores this season with the fact that how long have they had Troy Deeney for mm. uh, hardly at all um, Danny Welbeck's been injured. They invested a lot in his contract, although he came for free, um, and and he's out at least medium term. And then Ismail Assar, who they spent twenty seven million on, and he scored. scored his first yep. goal. But it's his first goal. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a bit late, really, isn't it? And like part of that's um, injury, part of that's them struggling to get him to adapt as well. So it's it's not as if they've got no players with with which to do it. You know, you look at. Um, they've still got um, Capu. They've still got uh, Cabasele. Yeah, they've still got Dukure. It's not as if they've got no good players. No, they've, they've actually got a, quite a good team. And yeah. I think that a lot of leading into this week, for the past few weeks when Watford have been in the relegation zone, most people have been saying Watford shouldn't really be down there when you mm. look at their team. And and especially when you compare it to how they started last season and how well they were doing. And I know is it eventually tailed off. but Is that the danger that we, we, we're we almost saying they're too good to go down? Yeah, no one is too good to go down, are they? But Yeah, no one's saying that anymore about no, Watford either. No, they're not. But it, this is the thing, is that you look at their team and you think, surely, surely they're going to turn it around at some stage. But... I've been saying that and thinking that for the last few weeks and it's just mm. not happened. And when you're playing against a team who are in the relegation zone that are in just as a desperate need of you to get points and they come out on top, i.e. Southampton, yes, that is not a good place to be because those are the matches that you absolutely have to be winning or at least taking points off those teams if you stand any chance of survival. So you think they let Southampton back into this? What do you mean? Do you think Watford let Southampton back into this? Do you think, although like obviously Southampton performed well in the second half, do you think it's a case of some of the blame lies with Watford for not being able to continue their control of the game? Yeah, I think so. And I think that the substitutes made all the difference for Ralph mm. Haas and Hootel's side, didn't they? And and when you've got the ability to bring players like that off the bench and, and change a game that's going to win you matches and and could be the difference in Southampton staying up. They're now two points from safety and they, you know, it looked, I mean, you could tell just what it meant to Ralph Hasenhutl at the end of the game, the yeah. celebrations, that relief of getting that win. And he knows that he's still under pressure. They're still in the relegation zone. It was almost a David Pleat jig on the touchline. 
one for the teenagers there. <laughs> I love I love the way he um, he wears these really huge like golf gloves, doesn't he, Ralph Files? Have you seen them? They're, they're massive. They're, 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 they struck me as a bit like Alan Partridge, like <laughs> really driving gloves. Big. They've got his initials on them as well. <laughs> oh no, don't say that. I think they do. They're like the biggest gloves, and he sort of uh, write in and tell us at Jules Breach <laughs> at Andy Brassel at Football Ramble. He took he took one of them off at the full time whistle so that he could shake Flores's hand, and then you just <laughs> saw this like awkward other hand with this giant glove on. It's just, but anyway, it's uh, like Bruce Grobbler in the Ran- Anfield <laughs> yeah. rap video. But back to the point is that he was so relieved. And I mean, that pressure, just knowing that you've taken three points off of another team in the relegation zone, what a relief for Southampton. They they dug deep and they managed to get the win and they could have scored more goals. I thought they actually had, you know, Danny Ings had a couple of decent chances in front of goal. So, yeah, I mean, well done to Southampton for managing to get that win. And, and it showed just what a big victory that was because after the game, Kike Sanchez-Flores has been sacked. And... Hasn't at all. We were talking about him a bit earlier, weren't we? Um, out of studio, and I was just saying to you how tired he's looked. Yeah, he has looked exhausted. Tough, tough job, Andy. Tough job. But you know, you know when you know we, we talked before about Emery and like the human cost of it. Sometimes it, it's, it's moments like that when you see Hasenhut looking like a bit beaten up. To be honest, a little knackered, don't they? Yeah, just uh, hopefully this will this will do a lot for him, and it will start to sleep a little bit but you know you just look at it and you think how much head coaches put in it's it's an enormous amount the stress is incredible mm, and, and and this is the thing is that now Southampton need them need to make the most of getting that wind under their belt and having two quick fixtures back to back now this yeah. week because that momentum could carry them through to the next couple of games and then who knows what points they're going to get out of these two matches and then Next thing you know, they could be going into the week after that outside of the relegation zone. It could all change at the bottom and yes. they've got to make the most of of getting that big win against one of their relegation rivals at the weekend and pushing on and, and hopefully getting themselves out of trouble. Yeah, I mean, it's times like this as well when you look at Southampton and that, that they have lacked that sort of punch in the final third. This is exactly the sort of situation in which you need Danny Ings, isn't it? I mean, what a little pest. I'm, he is. He's, really, he's insatiable, isn't he? This is the this is the reason why when when you think about the teams that are down there, and you you talk about you know trying to predict who you think is going to stay up and who's going to go down, when you know that a team have a player like Danny Ings who's mm. just a bit of a rascal in the box, isn't yeah. he? And you know he's just going to sniff out a goal, and, and and he's done it against the big teams this season. Although they're not the matches that that Southampton should be targeting. They need to be looking at the teams in and around them in order to get points yep. and get themselves out of trouble. But when you've got a goal scorer that can can get goals like Danny Ings does and all sorts of different types of goals, mm. then you're in with a chance. Yeah, absolutely. Talking of strikers, this this is a great tweet that I, I enjoyed uh, from uh, Ben. It says, who would be more excited between you if Zlatan signed till the end of the season <laughs> for your clubs? <laughs> I think you. Have a guess. Have a guess. <laughs> I'm pretty happy with our strikers. I wouldn't mind a bit of Zlatan at Brighton, but Andy, I think you'd take him at Wimbledon. You'd be very happy. Well, you know, I think <laughs> Graham Potter, the Swedish connection, is not to be oh, uh, yeah. totally ruled out, is it? But uh, yeah, we, we might have uh, Marcus Force going back to... Um, 
uh, going back to Brentford in January. Oh. So there could be there could be a bit of a vacancy there. In case you're interested, there you go, Zlatan. Ca- if, if you're interested, Zlatan, Jules and Andy at footballrambledaily.com. <laughs> I won't even take 10%. Um, there, there's also a question here from Francesco talking about AFC Wimbledon. Uh, what's bound to happen to AFC Wimbledon's move back to Plough Lane? Well, of course, this refers to the news that last week um, there was this um, 11 million shortfall with Wimbledon uh, trying to get a loan um, to give the builders the money for the next phase of completing the ground that, that they need by January. Um, it, it doesn't look like the loan is there for the moment. So um, the club and uh, the, the trust have got the idea or have been given the idea by um, potential investors of selling up part of the club. Now, obviously, this is a huge deal because AFC Wimbledon is, is, is a fan-owned club and a lot of us believe that it should remain that. Now, at the moment... It's unclear um, why the club have, have, have left it this long to say that there's a shortfall because they must have known for a while um, who the investors are, what they want. And so straight after Jules and Andy next week, I'll be going to the club's SGM to try and find oh, wow. out a little bit more about it because obviously this is hugely important. We're very, very close to realising a dream. Wimbledon have not played at Plough Lane um, since I was 14 years old. And Ian Wright's got a hat-trick in that last match, oh, ruining wow. it for me, as <laughs> as I told him pretty much as soon as I uh, got to know him. Have you been voting for him to do all the trials and I'm a celebrity then? Is that you? Uh, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> I, I never forget. I never forget. Um, so, yeah, hopefully it all turns out well. But we'll, we'll keep you up to date on that, Francesco, um, as well as um, whether Zlatan ends up uh, in Sussex or in southwest London. <laughs> I don't think either. Um, this is from Kieran Fitzgibbon, who said, uh, Andy, what are your thoughts about Premier League games being spread across three channels. It costs a fortune for us fans added with season tickets and away tickets. It's, it's not ideal at the moment. That, that's pretty clear. Um, but what I think we are doing with this Amazon thing, and bear in mind, if this was a normal Premier League week, those all of those games would not have been available. This is really an experiment in that this is the first time really that you've been able to watch whichever game you want from any game week. So I think we have to take it for what it is an experiment. We also have to realise that a lot of people already have Amazon Prime. So I don't think people are going out specifically necessarily to to, to, to buy it. Um, I think in the short term, yes, it's a pain. It's absolutely a pain. But in the long term, maybe this is moving towards an era maybe where fans are going to have more choice to be able to choose to watch their team's games rather than buy a blanket subscription uh, to a whole channel. Um, you know, I, I don't know what's going to happen to to Sky and the, the, the next TV deal, but Simon Jordan talked on TalkSport about the idea of, you know, there being a sort of Netflix equivalent for Premier League football. Maybe even if the Premier League w- were to become its own broadcaster, which I think is, is, is quite an interesting idea. But at the moment... Well, they create all that stuff already at Premier League Productions. Ex- exactly. Which goes globally, exactly. which we both work for. And exactly. I've, I've the actually, infrastructure exists. Yeah, I've always it? wondered why that content hasn't been available to, to UK audiences. Obviously, because Sky, BT and, and um, obviously BBC have certain Premier League rights yeah. and now Amazon. Well, some of it, some of it does already because like little bits of it end up on the match packs. Yeah. As I found out when uh, one of my son's friends very excitedly sent a text <laughs> going, you want to watch telly? You want to watch telly? <laughs> and the Fantasy Premier League show, which I do every yeah. Thursday, that actually can be shown in the UK 
but it's not broadcast on TV. It's just broadcast on the Premier League app. And that's because there's no match coverage in it. And that's yes. the, that's the, the, the stipulation with the other broadcasters. Is that It's a three o'clock blackout thing, really, mm, isn't it? Yeah. And, and the thing is, is that there are there are so many people that, that ask all the time, oh, where can we watch this? Where can we watch mm. that? And it's really hard to explain, isn't it? Well, you can watch it anywhere unless you're in England. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a funny one. But the thing is, is I think that one of the um, positives with Amazon and all these games is that where you can choose which match you want to watch yeah. and to have that's, that, that's huge. that option is it's massive. First. It's amazing. And, yeah. and BT are going to be doing, BT Sport are doing something similar in January. It should be really interesting um, to, like on New Year's Day particularly, I think BT are showing every single game live and then we're going to be doing the goal show from the studio where we're going to be able to show goals because it's not a three o'clock blackout because New Year's Day isn't a Saturday. Yes. We've got the ability to do that. So it yeah, it's funny, obviously the way that we take in and consume media nowadays just has changed and it will continue to evolve and mm. I, I you know I, I do agree with um uh, Kieran's comments there you know it does get expensive um and that's I, one I think, thing that obviously needs to be thought of I think that's short term I think ultimately it will come to a point if streaming succeeds then we'll get to a point where that'll affect what happens to the next TV deal in the short term it, it is a pain having to pick up different subscriptions and obviously we've had the the devolution of La Liga from Sky to, to to Premier first to 11 and then to Premier Sports so it all adds up and you know it's, it's expensive for households there's, there's there's no doubt about it but ultimately there's going to have to be something unified and more competitive put together because otherwise what's the alternative well, people can stream it for free mm. so that's that's going to have to be changed if if they really want people to still genuinely subscribe to that you know what before we wrap up today I really wanted to um, read you this email um, it's quite a long one from uh, Mike's, Mark Styles, but bear with me it's nice it comes with a picture Oh. Yeah. Um, hi, loving the show, guys. Bit late to the party, but just wanted to add to Jules' story regarding the Liverpool versus Barca semi-final and how special a game it was. A lot of Liverpool fans will say it was a roller coaster after company, all but killing our title hopes the mm -hmm. night before. However, for me, the Barca comeback was the cherry on top. As company was thumping the ball into the top corner, I was welcoming my daughter to the world. Aww. So the first Liverpool game of my daughter's life was the four-nil comeback to reached the Champions League final. Safe to say, when Origi slammed home the fourth, I whispered, oh my effing God, with a sleeping <laughs> newborn and tired other half. I was the least popular person with her panicking something was wrong with the baby. Safe to say, I was not the most popular bloke. She's a proper little red ever since. Even when it comes to crying, the only thing that settles her is the most Salah song or Bobby Firmino song. <laughs> Keep up the good work, guys, Mark. And here we are. We've got a little, little picture of of him Aww. with the baby. That is so adorable. Oh, Mark, I absolutely love that story. I love those kind of personal moments that go alongside football matches that you will just never forget. And he'll be telling his daughter that story, you know, as, as soon as she can understand what 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 football means and what what um how much his dad loves Liverpool. I mean, that's just going to be something that will never be forgotten for them. Lovely. Yeah, pretty lovely. Well, thanks so much for joining us, as as always. Enjoy your week. Enjoy your midweek of football. Yeah. There's so much football. I'm going to Sellers Park later. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. Crystal Palace against Bournemouth. I'm looking forward to it. It should be good. Living the dream. Living the dream. Have a good I'm, weekend, I'm, I'm sure you'll receive a, a wonderful reception. <laughs> I hope they're nice to me. <laughs> be nice to me, Eagles. Right, see you next week. Cheers, Andy. Cheers. 
was a Stakhanov production.